I want to read uh, from God's Word from Matthew chapter 28. I just want to read a few verses there from verse 1 through to verse 8. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples that Jesus was risen. Amen. Praise God. I don't know if I've got very much more to say this morning because everything, uh, even the songs that I wanted to quote have all been sung and so forth this morning. But you know, when Hayden contacted me, to ask me if I would come and I said yes. The very first words that came to my mind were, He is risen. And this morning I received a WhatsApp and the very first words that were on that were, He is risen. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> and uh, we, we have something to rejoice about this morning, haven't we? The fact that our Jesus is risen. But I want us to look back at the week prior to the time when Jesus was crucified. And we commence there with uh, Jesus entering into the city and being hailed by all the people. Hosanna to the king and so forth and how that they were rejoicing in him and saying that he was the greatest thing that there ever was and they were rejoicing and it was a triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem where Jesus was worshipped, where he was adored and where he was proclaimed as the saviour. They said Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. But I want us to look from there in chapter 21 of Matthew through to 28 where we come to the place where we realise that Jesus is risen. And I want us to consider and think about all the things that happened to Jesus during that period of one week. We, we hear very much in this day and generation in which we are living about mental health issues. And I want us to consider this morning Jesus in his humanity 
And how might the mental health of our Lord and Saviour Jesus, how would it have been affected when we think of all the things that happened and all the things that he had to deal with during that week prior to his crucifixion on the cross? When we, we look through chapter 21 right through to 26, the things that Jesus did, and if you look at your Bible later on today, and you'll see the various headings in your Bible of the various things that, that happened in the life of Jesus. There was his, first of all, the triumphant uh, entry into the city. And uh, then we have the situation where Jesus sees what's going on in the temple where there were the money changers, the seller of doves and all the various things that were going on. And Jesus dealt with those issues and he cast them out. He said, this should not be happening here. This is a house of prayer. It's not a place for thieves. It's not a place for gamblers. It's not a place for anything like that. This is a house of prayer. And so as a result of that, at the end of the day, Jesus moves on and goes home, has a rest. The next morning when he gets up, he's feeling hungry, just like you and I do after a good night's sleep. And so he sees the fig tree and he goes to try and take some fruit from the fig tree. But when he gets there, there's nothing there. It had withered and the thing was in a poor state. And so he deals with the issue there. And uh, it gives a spiritual lesson to the, those around him concerning these things. And, and then we discover that his authority is questioned by the religious leaders. And this launches Jesus into another two parables uh, uh, concerning two sons. How the, they were asked by the father to do something for him. The one says, yes, I'll do it. And in the end, he didn't do it. The others was asked to do it, and he did it, and so forth. And Jesus brings out the, 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 the situations there. And then he speaks regarding the vicious, the, the, the vicious sorry, the, the vine dressers, um, how the, the master of the vineyard sends to them to get his portion, and how they kill those that he sends along and eventually they kill his son and again Jesus speaks into the situation there amongst the people and amongst his, those that were following him and, um, and then he, is he speaks about the, the, the wedding feast as well and the Pharisees ask Jesus is it correct to pay taxes to Caesar? And we know how Jesus dealt with that one as well. He said, well, show me the coin. Show them the coin. Whose inscription is that? It's Caesar's. Right. Well, give to Caesar what's due to Caesar and give to God what's due to him. And, and, and so these were all pressures that were being placed upon the Savior during this time prior to his uh, death on the cross. Because remember that Jesus knew what his end was. He knew that the end result was that he was going to be crucified. And yet there was all these other things that were being, bringing pressure upon him at this point in time as well. And then, of course, Jesus goes on and he pronounces the woes over the scribes and the Pharisees. And, 
and Jesus was so distraught by the whole situation, the word of God, God says he lamented over the city of Jerusalem and he predicts the destruction of the temple. But then Jesus begins to speak to them about the signs of the times and about the great tribulation and the coming of the Son of Man. And he also informs them that no man knows the day nor the hour when it will happen. That's all in the hands of the Father. And uh, then he speaks of the, 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 the parable of talents and he informs them that the Son of Man will judge the nations. And this takes us right up to the end of chapter 25. And then in chapter 26, it's recorded there for us the plot to kill Jesus. His anointing for his burial and Judas agreeing to betray him. This was all in chapter 26. And so Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples, bearing in mind that all the time, he knows that one of his own is going to betray him, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be put in a tomb and so forth. He's well aware of all these things. What kind of effect must it have had on his mental health? How would it affect you and I? The pressures that sometimes come upon us are nothing like this. And yet we feel a great strain having to go through these difficult and trying situations and then um, having, having uh, read about this Jesus moves on the word of God tells us into the garden of Gethsemane and he asks the disciples you just wait here and pray and I'll just go a little further and we know the story so well how that three times he come back and what happened were they praying Oh yes, I'm sure they were. The same thing happens to them that happens to you and I. You start off with good intentions to pray. And what happens? Sometimes, or maybe a lot of times, I don't know, we fall asleep. And Jesus came back and he found them asleep. Three times this happened. He said, okay, it's over now. Just forget about it. Let's get going. And, and Jesus says, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And there he returned to find the disciples all asleep. Rise, let us be going, he says, for my betrayer is at hand. The end was coming upon him. Jesus is then betrayed, as the word of God tells us, by Judas. And he's arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. He's brought face to face before the Sanhedrin. Where his clothes are torn from him. He's spat upon and beaten. And then he's denied by one of his own disciples. What a sad situation he finds himself in at that moment in time. 
denied by Peter. He's then handed over to Pilate. Brought before Pilate to give an account of who he is. And Pilate, as we know, could find no fault in Jesus. He wanted to release him and set him free. But the crowds were of a different opinion. And their cry was, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want anything to do with this man, Jesus. And we know the story so well. How that Jesus was scourged and led away to be crucified. And the soldiers now took him and stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Then a crown of thorns on his head. And a reed in his right hand. And they bowed before him, mocking and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. The word of God says they spat upon him. They took the reed and struck it, struck him on the head. And having mocked him, they took, it, took his robe from him. And what a sad situation that Jesus found himself in at that moment in time. And they bowed before him, mocking him. And as all this was going on, some of the others were looking around and they saw a man by the name of Simon of Cyrene and they called him over. We've got a job for you to do. Come over. And the word of God says, and they pressed him into carrying the cross. And that word pressed on this occasion means they forced him into service. He didn't have any choice in it. He was forced to do it. And the word of God says, having been forced to do it, they then come to the place where they reach the hill of Golgotha. That is a place of a skull. As we read in Matthew 27, verses 33 to 37, it says, And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is the place of a skull. They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that, he might be, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation. It was written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And then we have the record of Jesus hanging on the cross. And all the other things as we know that happened at that moment in time in the life of Jesus. But as we move into verse 50 of chapter 50, uh, 27, it says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. But before the day was ended, they were made aware of one very important factor. And it's this. The cross was empty. 
G Joseph asked Pilate for the body of Jesus that he might take it and bury it in his own tomb. He was granted this his request. However, the next day, the priests and the Pharisees, chief priests and so forth, they approached Pilate and they said, Listen, don't you remember what this fellow said? After three days, he would rise again. We've got to do something about this. And so they were commanded to seal the tomb and to watch over the situation in order that Jesus would not escape from the tomb. What vain thoughts they had. They, what vain thoughts they had to think that they could stop the Saviour from coming from the tomb. The cross was empty. They were granted, as I've said, their authority to seal the tomb and guard it. And then we come into chapter 28 where it opens by telling us that very early in the, first, uh, in the morning, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Marys came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. Hallelujah. <laughs> the way is open. The way is open. The guards, they shook for fear. It must have been a tremendous experience for them, such that they were out of it because of what had happened at that moment in time. And so we read the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, because I know that you're, you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. He is not here because he's risen. He's out of it. He's changed his position. Once he was dead, now he's very much alive. Hallelujah. And we give God all the praise and all the glory for that. He is alive. Do not be afraid, was what was said. <coughs> in other words, the meaning on, in that particular part, it means don't panic. Just keep calm. There's no need to panic. Could we have been like that? In that situation? Don't panic. The, this was the kind of fear that gripped people and causes them to run away. But, but it said, don't panic. Don't be afraid. It caused them, could have caused them grief and dread and intimidation and apprehension. So many things could have crossed their mind. But the angel said, it's all right. Just keep calm. Don't worry about it. Because he is risen. Hallelujah. It means that Jesus had quit his previous position. And so Jesus was dead, but now he has quit that position and he's very much alive. Hallelujah. And you know, there are two things that have now, that have now happened in this situation. First of all, the cross was empty. Secondly, the tomb 
is empty. And that's good news, isn't it? And the third thing is, Jesus is alive. And he's alive forevermore. Death no longer has dominion. Satan's power is broken down. He has triumphed, hallelujah, and he wears a victor's crown. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. This was what the angels were announcing to the women. Don't be afraid. The reality of the resurrection brings joy, not fear. When, when, we're, when, when we have this fear, just remember this morning, the tomb is empty. The cross was empty, the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive. He isn't here. Jesus is not dead. And he's not to be looked for among the dead, says the word of God. He's alive with his people. Come and see. The women were invited to come and check out the evidence for themselves. That the place was empty and Jesus was not there. Only the folded grave clothes. Everything was done neat and tidily. You know? Neat and tidily done. That was all that they were able to see. And then he said, go quickly and tell. They were to spread the joy of the resurrection. And that's our position today. We have to spread the good news and the joy of our salvation in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and to tell people Jesus is not dead, but he's very much alive. He's the one who gave his all on the cross of Calvary for the salvation of our precious souls. He's the one who took all of our sin and bore it upon his shoulders upon the cross on that day that you and I might be set free and forgiven of all our trespasses and all of our sins. Thank God for Jesus this morning. Thank God for that day in our life and experience when we came to that place of realization that we needed Jesus as our own personal Lord and Savior. For me, it's coming up on 60-odd years this, uh, this Christmas, 1958, somebody could work that out, 60-odd years ago. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. And he's never failed. I've failed him many times, but he's never failed me. And he'll never fail you either. That's the Jesus that we are serving. That's the Jesus that rose from the dead. And we give him all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. And thank God that as we, we, we read the word of God, it tells us. He, uh, go quickly, tell his disciples to spread the joy of the resurrection. And that's our job as well. Hallelujah. And Jesus, the word of God tells us, presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And as we go on in chapter uh, 1 of Acts to verses 9 and 10, it says, while they watched, 
he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back again. Hallelujah. He's coming back again. Well, we might meet him in the air. We don't know. We might still be alive. We don't know the day or the hour when it's finished for us on planet Earth. But one thing is guaranteed and one thing is certain and sure. We will be with him throughout the countless ages of eternity. Hallelujah. Paul in writing to the saints at Colossae says in chapter 3 in verses 1 to 4, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. <laughs> Set your mind on things above, and not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Amen. And as we have sung earlier in the service, it, 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 it comes to a close because he lives yeah. I can face tomorrow yeah. can you face tomorrow yeah. is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Saviour have you given your life over to him have you acknowledged him in your life and have you vowed to try your best to serve him throughout the years that he gives you upon this earth of ours yes because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because Jesus lives he is not here he is risen amen